Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. I'm Lady Boy Gigi, and I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. <laughs> I wanted to let you know that this week coming up is a very special week. It's Celebrate Bisexuality Days on September 23rd, and Bisexual Awareness Week is this whole week starting Monday. And we're going to be celebrating it's a very special day for bisexuals everywhere to become more visible. So I just wanted to mention that Celebrate Bisexuality Day is coming up for all those bisexuals out there that are listening in. And before I introduce our topic for tonight's show, I just wanted to let people know that we haven't done a show in a while, but I got pretty sick for a while. I got a lung infection, which later turned into acute bronchitis. So, and I'm still a little raspy, but on the mend and feeling better. <laughs> and tonight's show is on low or no sexual experience for couples. We just finished the female sexual issues and we finish male sexual issues first. This is ongoing series on different types of sexual issues that may come up in a person's life. And tonight we're doing pretty much covering some of the causes and some of the things you can do if you find you've been in a relationship for a while and Sex has kind of flown out the window, so to speak. <laughs> and I think the first thing to do is to rule out any medical conditions for both partners, or for all partners, if you're in a polyamorous relationship, and make sure that there's nothing medically going on. I know that... For long-term relationships, especially in our sex-negative culture, oftentimes it becomes routine, and after a while, sexual desire 
wanes and gets repetitious and it's like sex kind of isn't as, as exciting. I mean, in any healthy relationship, you go through a honeymoon period where everything's really sparking with joy and sex and just being together. For long-term relationships, though, that changes over time. And some couples are able to make the adjustment easily and some struggle with it. Any thoughts, Paul? Yeah, I think one of the big things when you're in a relationship for a long time, especially if there are children involved or you get more involved with your careers or, or any number of things, a lot of times life gets more complicated and people sacrifice sex for more practical reasons. And they assume like, oh, this is temporary. It's not going to be a long-term thing. But life only gets more complicated as you go along. And it's very common for couples to find that three months goes by and they've only had sex a couple of times. And sometimes you catch it early on and you you make adjustments early on but life gets in the way enough you just completely forget about it until it becomes a really really big issue and i think that we want to make this podcast for people who are just in the beginning stages of that and then people who've been going through the ringer for a while and there's some other causes. I mean, having a sexless marriage or a sexless relationship can be caused by many factors. And I think one of the factors that's fairly common is that oftentimes, that, like Paul said, the time we live in very sex-negative culture and we've got a strong work ethic, and sex is kind of looked at as extra bonus, not something that's necessary for happiness and a good life. And so it kind of gets put on the back burner oftentimes. And it's really easy to kind of let sex kind of die out if you don't plan for it and structure your life to where you do have date nights on a regular basis. Even if you have kids, get a babysitter. And especially for parents that have kids, put a lock on your bedroom door. <laughs> that can solve a lot of problems. Because <laughs> oftentimes kids will wake up in the night and want to come in to see daddy and mommy and that can be disruptive to one's sex life. So just putting a lock on the bedroom door can really solve a lot of the issues around having kids around <laughs> and set some private time for yourselves. I think that one of the things that can also interfere is if there's problems in the relationship outside of sex. Often conflict and arguments can get in the way of having a good, close, healthy sexual relationship. So that's another cause. Any other causes you can think of? So getting back to medical issues, if there has been a change in medication for you or your partner, that can cause a lot of problems, particularly with things like blood pressure medication, or antidepressants. Pretty much any change in medication can affect the libido and can affect your ability to have sex. So as you're thinking about when problems may have started, look into whether either of y'all have changed medicine. Another thing that 
can really cause issues is anything involving trust issues. And one of the things I find is that a lot of times, like the catalyst for someone's change of heart and change of feeling can be a fairly small incident in the moment. And the human psyche is a very complex thing. You might not be aware of how much it is affecting you. So can take some soul searching and like to see how you really, really feel because a small argument that seemed to have gotten resolved a matter of minutes can have long-lasting effects that neither of you realize have affected you as deeply as Another area that comes up frequently is body image. And as you get older, your body changes and you're, you may have put on a few pounds or not feel as sexy and attractive as you did when you were younger. And so that can also interfere with a good, healthy, long-term sexual relationship. And oftentimes we think of, and we're bombarded with body image, beautiful, young, through the medias. And it's getting a little better, but you see all these beautiful models and think, oh, you know, I'm just not as attractive as they are. Can I be attractive for my partner? And there may be some body shame around. And those are issues that can be resolved with some exercises and work and possibly even some counseling. Any other thoughts on causes? Well, to go into body image, one of the things I find a lot of times is the person who gets worried about how their body is perceived by their partner. Their partner oftentimes has no problem with it. It's often the person who feels like their body has changed the most that self-consciousness really keeps them from expressing themselves sexually, from trying to be like sexually alluring because they aren't feeling it in that moment. And their partner's feelings may not have changed, or sometimes partners are even more enraptured, you know, the longer they go on. But if you aren't feeling confident, it's going to affect the way that you show up in the relationship. Another issue that can be coming up in all this is having self-doubts. And it's more on a psychological than physical level, but as we get older, the longer we go without having good sex, it's kind of like the old adage, use it or lose it. <laughs> but fortunately, if you have lost it, it can be reignited through some exercises. And we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. But oftentimes the sex drive is, if we don't feel sexy and beautiful and alluring, it's going to show up in the bedroom. And all of a sudden we're going to feel like, or maybe we think, oh, I'm, having difficulties just with performance. Performance issues can really get in the way of good sex. And we think, oh, we have to be a certain way. And sex, a lot of couples think, oh, sex is penis-vagina sex or penis-anus sex. 
penetrative sex, and sex can be so much more than that. And so getting stuck in this kind of narrow view of what sex is can also be a cause of having difficulties really expressing yourself with your partner. Another thing that goes along with aging is uh, loss in physical ability. Maybe you've had some kind of accident. Maybe you're just not as strong as you used to be. Positions that you used to find really sexy and hot, you might not even be able to do anymore. If you kind of build your sex life around things and then you no longer have those tools at your disposal, it might make you feel like there's not even a point in it. And that's that's not true at all. One of the things about having a body is that there are so many things that can turn you on. There are so many different ways to have sex. I remember we did a podcast a while ago about queer sex and aging with an expert that was making all sorts of suggestions about, you know, finding new positions that are less hard on your joints and finding different ways of pleasuring each other. If you've never really introduced toys to your sex life, getting older is a great excuse to start whipping out the toys because they can help you out a whole lot. Another issue that comes up frequently is, and this is, I'm not trying to lay blame here because there really is no blame for a sexless marriage. There's no one's at real fault. Often we just don't learn a good sex education, how to have really good hot sex. And oftentimes for men, oftentimes it's like they get real caught up in getting it in and getting off and then laying down and cuddling. And a woman's left going, oh, that was it. And so that can put a big damper on sex because if one partner's not being fulfilled sexually, it can get kind of old after a while. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I've always felt is that between your mouth and your fingers and your hands, even if your dick doesn't work at all anymore. Lesbians have been having really, really good sex for millennia. A lot of times as men get older, things don't work as well as they used to. For me, I know that I started HRT and I can't rely on corrections as much as I used to. But luckily I've learned over the years different ways of pleasing someone that doesn't involve using my penis. And I think that's an issue that a lot of men go through. And if they've always relied on their penis for the, the main thrust of their sexual experience, uh, pun intended, then they can run into problems sometimes. And even for men that are having troubles getting erect, you can still enjoy stimulation of the penis in different ways. It still feels very pleasurable. It's something that can be amazing. And even anal play can sometimes work as a good substitute. Receiving can be so amazing if you're having a lot of problems with erections. And there are some ways to build up your capacity to have erections again if it's not medically a medical situation. Sometimes it's a psychological thing, and sometimes it's just 
certain medications can interfere with the erections. And it's nothing to feel ashamed about. Although a lot of men feel like, oh, if I can't get erect, I'm, I'm no longer manly enough. An- another thing that can come up from time to time is things that happened in the past that didn't seem like a big deal, like broken trust issues, or maybe your wife teases you, and in the beginning of your relationship, it was no big deal, and it's something that you both thought was funny, but maybe you've come to like internalize it more, but your wife may not know. Over the years, you, your communication with your partner takes these shortcuts, and sometimes they don't serve you as fully as they used to. So, like, really, really looking into, like, how you feel about things and where you sit on things can be very, very important, even though that can be a difficult thing from time to time. I think you kind of started to touch on something that's really crucial in relationships, and that's communication breakdowns. When communication starts breaking down, that can really destroy sex. (laughs) It really takes communicating and expressing yourself and asking your partner for the pleasure that you desire and vice versa. It's really important to be able to sit down and say, oh, I I would love a blowjob or I would love for you to do this, you know, stroke my cock this way or lick my pussy this way and give instructions and say, hey, this is what I enjoy. Let me show you how I really get off. And that can really spice things back up. But if there's that breakdown in communications, or maybe it's never been there where you never talk about sex, you just kind of do it, you're going blind. Yeah, and one of the things that can be helpful, especially if one or both of you is out of the habit, is masturbation and getting used to pleasuring yourself so that you can help teach your partner how you like to be pleasured. And it happens a lot that people stop masturbating once they get into a relationship. A lot of times if you didn't masturbate for a long time and then you start masturbating, it's almost like you're conceding defeat or something like that. That can't be further from the truth. It can be really, really healthy. I I think that masturbation is a very healthy thing. And I think that it's something that everyone should continue to do. I don't think it's necessarily the healthiest thing to stop masturbating when, when you get a, in a relationship. But if you've been in a relate in the same relationship for a long time, it might be important to reconnect with self-pleasure and like remember what it is that really gets you fired up on all cylinders and that kind of relates to another issue that can come up and that is when you get turned on by porn and porn alone now i'm not saying porn's bad but if all of a sudden porn becomes the substitute for sex in your relationship then there's an issue. I'm all for porn. I mean, I'm not real big on it myself, but I've known a lot of people that are real into it. And porn can really spice things up, especially for masturbation time. And I would like to say that masturbation is how we really learn about our bodies and learn about our sexual system. And I've seen studies done that 
masturbation is actually people that have been interviewed later in life. Masturbation is their go-to for a lot of people and has been through the ages, even in a healthy relationship. Masturbation was key. And even mutual masturbation can be an awesome thing. When you masturbate together, it can be amazing. But too often, masturbation is kind of seen as something that's only for singles. Another thing that I will say is a lot of people are afraid to schedule sex. They think of sex as something that's supposed to be spontaneous. And spontaneous sex is great. And if you can continue to have spontaneous sex all throughout your relationship and rely on only spontaneous sex and are able to maintain a healthy sexual relationship for the long run that way, well, I mean, hats off to you. Like, that's that's amazing. But so many people aren't like that. When you've been with someone for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, sometimes it can be necessary to schedule sex and say every Thursday night we have sex or every Thursday night and Saturday morning or, you know, and like maybe Thursday night is going to be the night you go all out and Saturday morning is going to be a quickie. You have to discuss it with your partner and figure it out. But actually taking the time to prioritize sex and set in your mind with your partner that we are focused on prioritizing sex with each other is really, really healthy. And sometimes it's the only way that you're going to have really good sex in your relationship. And I'm glad you brought that up because oftentimes we think, oh, sex should be spontaneous. If you reschedule it, it somehow demeans the sex. And one of the things that happens in our modern culture is that all of a sudden we've got all kinds of deadlines and work agendas and meetings and taking the kids, if you have kids, to the ball game or whatever. Our schedule gets so full. And by scheduling sex and blocking out some time for it, it ensures that your sex isn't going to be put on the back burner. <laughs> One of the things I also wanted to bring up, because it can be a big problem when lack of sex becomes an issue, a lot of times there is a knee-jerk reaction to assign blame to one partner or another. And it is true that one of the partners might be ha having an issue that causes it to be difficult to have sex, but that doesn't lay all of the fault on that person. Uh, it is up to both of you to maintain a good sexual relationship. And even if there is one person that is having an issue, that doesn't make the lack of sex that person's fault. One of the things that I've experienced in some of my long-term relationships is not having time. And I know that when I was in school, in college, I was busy. I had to work a job. I had to go to classes and I had homework and readings and especially when I got in graduate school time became very precious and one of the things I discovered was that okay I need to set some time aside for me self-care is important and this is burnout prevention 
take some time, schedule some time for the pleasures and for feeling good. If you don't take some time and do some good self-care, you're going to burn yourself out and be no good in bed. <laughs> it really takes having that good self-care. Take yourself out for a treat once a week. Maybe it might be a manicure or a pedicure. Maybe it's taking a night at the spa or soaking in a hot tub for a few hours one night a week. Just whatever gets you into that good space where you feel real pleasure and joy in life again, spark the joy because if you put that to the side as well as sex, life is going to get really difficult and you're going to burn out all your energy and not replenish yourself. Another thing that I think can be powerful, it depends on the couple. One of the things I've seen be helpful to people to spice up their relationship is involving other people in your sex life. Having threesomes, maybe joining swinger community or something like that. A lot of times when sex gets kind of stale and you both each know each other's moves and so there's no spark anymore, I think a lot of times it's really healthy when you do it as a couple and you have a threesome and you think of it as a, a very special guest on that particular night. And maybe they do something to your partner and you can take notes like, oh, she really liked this or he really liked it when they did this. Maybe I can try that. Or I know that for me, like because I have a very like strong reaction to, uh, there's a concept in polyamory called compersion which is the joy you see from your partner being fulfilled by someone other than yourself. That, like, just seeing my partner in the throes of ecstasy, even if I'm not the one that caused their orgasm, like, that fills my heart with joy and things like that. So that's something that is a potential that, Oftentimes, people don't think of. And oftentimes, we think sex has to be just right, and we've got to perform a certain way and be able to be a superman or superwoman in bed. And there's days when I've been into doing sex, but I wasn't 100% there. And I've had partners go through the same thing. Or maybe they do have the proverbial headache or they're feeling a little off. We all go through cycles where we have lots of energy one day and feel top of the world and we kind of hit low spots. Not really depression, although it can be depression, but we all have our highs and lows. And just realizing that there is a rhythm and... You may be in your high spot and your partner's in a low spot. That's a mismatch. And it can kind of affect one's sexual relationship over time, especially if it doesn't sync up very often, where you're both on the high at the same time and both going through the low at the same time. And so just realizing that sometimes it can be that simple that our rhythms are a little off. We need to kind of communicate more and figure out a better system to where we can both sync up a little better. And another thing that I think can be very, very helpful is finding an activity that is new to both of y'all to, to do together. Uh, maybe... Neither of y'all have ever tried pottery or painting, 
finding something new to start together can really have like a positive energy charge and sometimes it's kind of like you need a jump start to your relationship and having new energy whatever that comes from whether that's trying something new together and maybe uh, trying something new sexually that neither of you have ever done a lot of times people are afraid to get involved with things that they've never done before but like one of the amazing things is like you never know what you're gonna find that like becomes your absolute favorite thing and by going through a journey of self-discovery it's a really strong bonding process another issue i've seen come up is when couples feel like they have to be together all the time and give up their separate friends and only have friends in common and spend all their time together to the point where they're smothering each other. And that can really put a damper on sex life. I know with my partners, I have my life, I have our life together, and then they have their life separate. And it doesn't mean because I'm in a relationship with someone that they have to be my end-all everything all the time. Who, who can really perform that well? And to expect another person to do that would be really catastrophic over time. Because think about it, you're, it's smothering it. We need that interaction outside the relationship as well as inside the relationship, especially in monogamous relationships. Trust your partner. They're not going to go run off and have sex with someone else just because they have some other friends. It takes having some outside interests and outside relationships. There's things I'm into and that my partners aren't into. There's things I enjoy doing that they're just not into it. And vice versa, my primary partner she likes to knit and do crochet well i have no fine motor skills so that's kind of out for me and i'm not real into knitting and crocheting but i love the work she does and that's her interest i love camping she doesn't <laughs> and so we have our own interests that we pursue separately but then we have a lot of things that we pursue together. And I think that adds a healthiness and a vibrancy to a sex life. Because I can tell her stories and she can tell me stories. And we each have our separate accomplishments. And then we have accomplishments together. Yeah. And like one of the things that I find when you have separate interests from your partner and your partner has separate interests from you, it can act as like a counterbalance to the thing that I was talking about where you get stuck in a rut and you get stuck in the same old, same old. If you have a life outside of your partner and they have a life outside of you, like, you might be gone for a weekend, but when you get back, you can tell your partner all the stories of all the things that you did. It recharges your battery in a way that you don't get your battery recharged when you're with your partner. When they go out and they do their own thing and they get really excited, they come back filled with stories they can tell you about and they get their battery recharged in a way that you can't possibly do that like it when i got in my first polyamorous relationship like one of the things that was really powerful about that is i had been dating this girl for a long time and 
she was really into making art and she was a maker and she would constantly ask me questions about like do you think I should do this thing like this or maybe like this and I didn't really have a lot of good answers like I was a really good cheerleader I was really good at gassing her up and letting her feel like she was really talented but when it came to questions of like, should I do this thing this way or should I do it this way? I didn't really have any answers. And then when she started dating her other partner, her other partner was really good at that kind of stuff in a way that I wasn't. And like he had a lot of really good insights and like she like gained a lot, she learned a lot, she thought about things in this completely different way, and she got really, really excited over that, and, like, I got to watch her, like, go through this journey of discovery and, like, this excitement in a way that I couldn't give her, but I was able to see someone else do that for her, and I got to reap the benefits of it even though that was the kind of thing I was bad at. Oh my, we're already past station break. <laughs> Time flies on the show. <laughs> I want to remind people to visit our website. It's There's three of them. One is gg, that's two g's, wilbur.com. And the other websites are ravenslayerleather.com and then ladyboytemple.com and on each side I've got well I'm, I've got different things on each side Ladyboy Temple is all about Aphrodite's Temple and what we do in Aphrodite's Temple and the things we have put together a lot of information and we are coming up on Samhain scene. It's in October, and we're going to have two festivals towards the end of October where we have a live Aphrodite's Temple. Anything you want to add to Station Break? Yeah, I think from both the ggwilbur.com page and ravenslayerleather com you can find our patreon or you can go to patreon.com forward slash ladyboy and that will give you the opportunity to donate a once monthly donation to the work that we do and help us continue to provide this sexual education to you and you can even make a one-time donation. Mm -hmm. You can make a one-time donation. And it can be as little or as much as you feel like. And it would really, really help us continue to, to bring this information to people. Oh, come on now. You know you deserve it. A steak patty on any McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I mean any breakfast sandwich. Biscuit, McMuffin, Bagel, McGriddles, a juicy steak patty on any breakfast sandwich. And when you order through the app, buy one and get one free. Now go get them. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. And back to our topic. <laughs> We've been discussing the sexless marriage or sexless relationship where sex kind of dies out over time and how to revamp it. And so far, we've been talking mostly about the causes. And I'd kind of like to shift gears and get into some of the solutions because there are a lot of things you can do that can help out and rekindle. I've got a old R&B song that's um, that I love, and it's like, I think one of the verses is, sometimes a spark still remains, a spark can be turned back into flames. 
or something like that. I don't remember the exact words, but but there is that spark, and there is something that brought you together in the first place. And sometimes it just takes rekindling that spark. What suggestions do you have, Paul? So, like I said, scheduling sex and prioritizing sex, like the very act, of deciding with your partner that you are going to make sex a priority can do so much good, even outside of the ways you go about that. Like just making the active decision to reprioritize sex in your relationship is really the first step that you need to take to get to a place where you have a better sexual relationship in your relation. Another thing that can help tremendously is to start masturbating if you don't. And you can do it together. I'd start solo so you can learn your own body if you haven't had much experience with masturbation. And then show your partner. Put on a show and tell. Show them how you like it and demonstrate on yourself just how you like to stroke your body and how you like to pleasure your body and what toys you enjoy using. Oftentimes we get so caught up in our head on performance, we forget to play. And this is a time to play. This is a time to let the inner child come out and do a show and tell. Oh, this is my cock. This is my balls. These are the way they like to be stroked and touched, sometimes even spanked lightly. This is what I like. And showing them, I like having my perineum stroked and massaged as part of sex. And that can be so hot. And there's all kinds of things I'm into, like having my toes sucked and having someone just nibble on my nipples and oh, just so many delicious things. And so do a show and tell and show them. But first discover what really gets you going because everybody's wired a little different. And by getting out of your head and more into your body, that can help so much with sex. On the other hand, kind of the opposite of that is a lot of times we don't want to be very open about the things about our partners that turns us off or like really closes off that that tap. And I think that it is important, even if it is scary at first, If you have something that is triggering like your desire not to have sex or you getting turned off, it is important to be honest with your your partner about that. And it can be very, very difficult and very, very scary to bring it up. And like I was saying earlier, you know, in your head, it might be this small thing that's doesn't seem super consequential, but it might be like the main thing holding you back. So when you figure out things that kind of switch off that faucet, it is important to be honest with your partner about what those things are. And as we mentioned earlier on the show, it really is important to rule out any medical conditions And even talk, if you're on medications, check and see if any side effects can include issues with sexual functioning. Because sometimes just going to your doctor and saying, you know, this medicine, it's causing me problems in the bedroom. Is there something I can take instead that wouldn't? And often there's something else you can take that will have less side effects. That's why they have so many different medications out there, because 
different people react differently to medication. And so one medication may not affect one person sexually, but it could affect, have a super compounded effect on you. So check that out first. And also, sometimes there's not a better alternative of a medicine that you can take. And if you do know that a medication affects you sexually, that doesn't necessarily mean the end of sex. It just might mean that you need to change the way you have sex. Another area that I think is really important is if you're having communication issues, go and see a counselor. Start talking to each other explicitly. I know that and if you aren't able to see a counselor, or in addition to seeing a counselor, I do have the erotic body map, which can be an excellent communication tool between partners. How do I like to be stroked? How do I like sex? And communicating that, I even go into a part of sex that is often a mix match with couples. Sometimes a lot of people are either visually, visual is their primary sense, or auditory, or tactile kinesthetic, or emotive, or even a spiritual component. And if you are real strong like a visual person, you like seeing sex. And we kind of presume that, oh, my partner must be just like me. Well, my partner, turns out, I'm pretty highly visual and tactile kinesthetic. My partner is more into auditory. And so instead of just having her do a strip tease, I describe it as she does it. That way we're including both are primary channels for arousal. If I'm just doing the striptease, it doesn't do anything for her. But if I tell her about the striptease as I do it, we're both getting the visual and the auditory. And so that can really put a supercharge back into a sex life. As with most things, when it comes to relationships communication is very very uh is of the yeah it's of the utmost importance and one of the things that i think is often a big problem in relationships is that people avoid having the difficult conversations because One or both people know that it's going to be a huge can of worms. And to save themselves the headache, both people can be aware of an issue and never talk about it because it's going to be hard. But sometimes you have to do the hard thing. Sometimes a conversation is necessary and it is going to be really, really difficult. But if you can make it through that conversation, you can get back on track. Whereas day to day, it might be harder not to bring up that thing. But if it goes months without being addressed, it's going to cause far more problems in the long run. It festers. It it festers. And not getting brought up versus the fact that it's going to be difficult and hard, but you're going to kind of rip the Band-Aid off. Another area that can be very beneficial is to really do some body image healing, however it works for you. But learn to get in touch with the sexy self within, that inner self that you know it's down in there. Maybe it's kind of hadn't come out in a long time, but there is that sexy self. And 
when we get into the bedroom, we're in a whole different headspace. When we turn off the sexy self and deny it, it's harder to get into that good sex headspace. And so learning, relearning about your sexy self. And maybe you think, oh, I'm not as attractive as I used to be, but you're still attractive. There's something about you that's uniquely you and that's beautiful and sexy. I've been running Temple for over 25 years and I've seen all shapes, sizes, age groups, you name it, come into Temple and have good sex. And I can tell you, when people are having good sex and getting into orgasm, or not even necessarily orgasm, but getting into a state of ecstasy, there's a beauty that shines out. It's it's amazing. Faces light up. It's like this energy just starts pouring forth. And it can be very beautiful. And so getting in tune with that definition of beauty instead of the Hollywood version can really help a lot and help you feel more attractive. One thing I definitely wanted to bring up before we finish up is that all of this advice is for people who would like to have more sex in their relationship. There are more people who are either asexual or graysexual or demisexual who have fluctuating sexual desires. And sometimes you lose interest in sex over time and it's never coming back. And that's okay. You know, we're not trying to demonize anyone for not wanting sex. It is completely valid and okay to not desire sex. If you have a partner who still does, it it is a thing that you should probably talk about and discuss. And maybe even if you're not there, giving them permission to seek it out somewhere else and be okay with it. Or... Use masturbation. <laughs> or use masturbation or any number of things. But I, I did want to take a moment to to reiterate that having, having no desire for sex isn't an inherently bad thing, and it doesn't make you a bad person. And one of the sexual issues we will be covering in depth is unequal desire in a relationship where one partner has a high sex drive and the other partner has very low sex drive and how to address those issues because that can come up and that can also be part of the cause for a sexless marriage over time and so we'll cover that in more detail in another show but there are times when People, you know, we're not, I mean, I hate to break this myth, but we don't have soulmates. <laughs> we all fit together best we can, but there's not this ideal soul out there that's going to fix everything in me and make me happy and live happily ever after. That's a Hollywood myth. What we do have is relationships and they can be amazing but it takes some work and it takes communication and it takes structuring some time for to be together and do things together and structuring some time to be have your own space and time and so relationships are complex things it takes a lot and one of the things that is important is to remember that your partner is just a regular person. You're just a regular person. Neither of you are superheroes. Whatever issues you go through, 
be they physical or emotional or a mental block or, you know, any number of things. Both of you are just doing the best you can with the tools that you have available to you. And taking time to acknowledge that it is okay when problems arise. And you can both be proactive and work towards a solution. But knowing that your partner is not your adversary, they are your partner. And if there is conflict, it is something that y'all need to work through. But I keep on kind of coming back to this, but I do think that there is a real common thing for people to try to assign blame when issues come up. And the world is not that cut and dry. You are both just people doing your best with the tools that you have. And you it's important to cut each other some slack. And I'm glad you mentioned the toolbox, because that's what this show is all about, is giving you some better tools to work with. Better tools to really have a good sexual relationship with another person. And we cover a lot of tools. Some will work for you. Others, no way. And that's okay. We present all the tools that we know about so that we cover all the bases, so to speak. The ones that work for you, go for it. If they don't work for you, that's okay. It'll work for someone else. And that's why we put them all out there. <laughs> well, we're at the top of the hour. Any last thoughts or takeaways you want to discuss, Paul? So I think that especially when relationships get to that the point where you've been in them for a long time and things change. It is very common for people to just kind of crumple under the weight of it. And unfortunately, the majority of people just stop having sex. And I think that that is just the worst thing that well for most relationships for people who both still want to have sex in their lives that is the worst thing that you can do to just stop having sex because it becomes more complicated to have sex than it does to just quit having sex and if you still want to have sex and your partner still wants to have sex but y'all don't know where to go or how to go about it. There's lots of different things that you can do. You can take the advice that we've given and start exploring different and new things. You can start exploring toys. Sex coaching can be really great for couples that have lost that spark and want to regain it. But Really, it comes down to communication, communicating with your partner, and really communicating with yourself and being very honest with yourself about what it is that you want, what it is that is holding you back, and what it would take to get beyond it. I think for me, I, my big takeaway on all this is that we live in a very sex-negative culture, and in a funny sort of way, it's interesting, but we never really get training on how to have good relationships. We never get training on how to have good sex. And that's part of what this show is about, is to provide avenues to get that training. Because it's, it is a skill set. You may not have it today, but you can learn it. And with some guidance and direction, you can turn your life around in big ways. 
Well, I think that brings us to the end of our show. We're at the top of the hour. Have a good night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Get sexy and bring that spark back to a roaring flame. Enjoy the pleasures of the flesh. It can bring about so many good things in your life and re-energize you in ways that you wouldn't even think about. I know it's helped me so much in my life to do some of the sexual practices I do daily to really recharge my batteries and keep everything working and going like amazing. (laughs) Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.